morning. I'm asking in the name of your son for grace and favor and ask for wisdom. Thank you that your love is unfailing. In Jesus' name, amen. And I get credited with ninja reflex. (laughs) Did you notice my cat-like abilities here? So, you know, uh, I'm going to get a real pulpit one day. And we're going to be a real church. We're going to have a pulpit. So, we, uh, all right, so this is really important, and I'm, I'm uh, very excited about it, and I'm going to try to teach like this this morning, so. Um, let's think about uh, those moments in our lives when someone speaks life into us, or we do our best to speak life into somebody else, and how, how, um, how serious those things are. For example, I was talking with, with Brandon Reed and Catherine and some others and Lisa and stuff. What are some situations where we are doing our best to speak life at one of the most deep and sincere levels possible? One was going to be like an emergency room situation or when someone's in a near-death state of life. And it, what if you had a few hours or a few days to talk to your mom or your dad or a loved one who was on life support, and you know they could hear you, what would you say to them? What would you say? Uh, My sister Ellen was that person. She was uh, trying to give birth to a baby, a doctor and anesthesiologist at White River and Med Med Center in Batesville, Arkansas, made a tragic mistake. And because of him not following protocol to put Ellen asleep in the hospital, it caused her to have a gag reflex when you put the airway in too prematurely. She aspirated, and seven days later, Ellen is dead. Okay? She's on life support, that haunting sound of a respirator. Some of you, you're nodding, you know what that sounds like. And by the way, talk about an ab reaction, Frank. When I hear a respirator, wow, I'm reliving what happened in Batesville, Arkansas. Uh, was I the best brother to Ellen? No, no, no. Uh, Ellen can hear. And I went into the, to the intensive care unit and I leaned into her to tell her some of the most important from the gut. I, it, it's not getting more raw, more real than what I am trying to say to my sister Ellen trying to say things like, would you forgive me for being such a bad brother? Would you forgive me for all the times I I, I didn't help or something like that? And and just trying to speak life and love into her heart, and she couldn't respond. Her eyes were already glazing over as as death was looming. I... That was real life. Uh, you know, I've done student ministry and family ministry for years. And, you know, when you go to a high school val- graduation, uh, again, <laughs> and they get the valedictorian, and, and they're up there, and they're giving their valedictorian speech, and something inside of you goes, oh, boy. They Google that speech, you know, and here it comes, and... And this little budding 18-year-old is just moving past the pimple stage. Is going to try to speak wisdom, you know. 
and, and all those feelings about this valedictorian, valedictorian speech. And then all of a sudden, something happens inside of me when I hear those addresses and I go like, this is real. This is an 18-year-old grabbing at hope, grabbing at something that's real. Life is in front of them. And they're, putting, they're trying to put that into words. And there's power in the simple words of an 18-year-old doing a valedictorian speech at a local high school. There's something powerful. This is a picture of George Bush uh, delivering the eulogy for John McCain's funeral. What you say at a funeral, it matters what someone says about you. A uh, picture of the best man and the maid of honor <clears throat> giving a speech, talking about one of the best friends they've ever had and what they say about their character, about memories, about doing life together and trying to speak life into them as they're entering into one of the most life-changing relationships ever called marriage. And what they say really, really matters. It's powerful stuff. The picture on the bottom right, that tender moment when a dad is giving his daughter away. And I've got to do that in a few months, you know, and, and uh, I'm sure I'll have a box of tissues nearby. What am I going to say to Catherine? How can I speak life and grace into Catherine? For all the years, all the memories, the journey that we've been on together, um, there are moments when what we say speaks life. Now, obviously, you're aware that we can say things that speak death, right? And, and, and the letter of the law kills, the spirit gives life. We can speak law and just cut somebody to shreds. We can just rip them up with law. That's easy to do. It doesn't take really a high spiritual IQ to destroy somebody with law. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy, you know. But wow, to speak life? When Jesus was speaking, the crowds were amazed because when he spoke, he didn't speak like the Pharisees who spoke law, the letter of the law, and delighted in cutting someone up with truth. Rather, he spoke, it says, with authority. And he speaks life into people. What we say really matters. All right. Now, there's a real fancy church word called benediction, right? And it comes from Latin, and it literally means good speaking is what it means. A benediction is good speaking. And when the author, uh, the, the preacher, the psalmist, the, the writer, the priest is going to give a benediction, what he's doing is he's saying, I'm trying to take this to that sharp point, that, that critical moment when I'm going to speak life and I'm going to tr try to grab all that's important and then put it into a very powerful, salient summary statement and I'm going to do it in such a way that it blesses and that it absolutely can bring life-changing truth and grace to someone. This is the benediction that we're about to hear from the letter of the Hebrews, written by someone we do not know who this guy is, but we know he's brilliant because it is some of the best Greek ever found in the New Testament. This guy's sharp, okay, like Randy Sharp. He's a very, very sharp guy. All right. And he is, listen, he has, this guy, there's been tremendous tension between he and his church or he and, and churches. 
There's lots of pressure because he's telling them to hang in there, hang in there. I know the persecution is bad. And they're saying, we don't think we can take it anymore. We've lost everything. And you're telling us to stay the course and run the race? We've taken the beatings. We have nothing to retire on. And you want us to fix our eyes on Jesus? And he says, yes, don't give up. Run the race. Don't look back. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't think that going back to Moses and the law, a safe ancient Jewish religion that Rome tolerates, don't think that's where your answer is. Stay the course with Jesus. Don't relapse back. Don't. Don't think that safety is in a kosher food diet. Don't think it's, that's where safety is found. Don't do that. Turn to Jesus. Let the blood of Christ cleanse you. Stay the course. And they're saying, ah, I don't know. I'm tired of being a single parent because my husband's always in jail. <laughs> or my wife's in jail. And my kids, what they've seen happen to mom and dad. We've had a hard time. All right. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 13. The writer says in verse 20. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That is a benediction. The author is putting together what matters most and trying to communicate something that will bless and absolutely change their lives giving them something that can help them stay the course and to not quit. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's walk through that just for a bit. Now, the God of peace, uh, the word peace is irene, and it can mean to be at rest, to be safe, to be well-pasturedly, to have, to have a stable, a secure place, to be at peace, to not be at war. It can even mean to be saved, to be born again, is what it can, can be. Uh, a, a key question for us right now about peace is this. When you think of God, what do you think? Do you think he's a God of wrath? Is he a God of hate? Some of you go like, I can't handle the Old Testament. <laughs> the God of the Old Testament, wow, he's tough. He lays down rules and there are consequences and judgment. I have a hard time with the God of the Old Testament. Now, by the way, the author of Hebrews has brilliant command of the Old Testament. And he defines God as being a God of peace, not a God of war. A God of peace who brought up from the dead 
the great shepherd of the sheep, brought up critical word. It literally means to lead out. In fact, this is the very word in the Greek version of the Old Testament where God says to Moses, I want you to lead out or bring up my people out of Egyptian bondage. Moses, bring them up, take them out. And it's as though God is saying that the real Moses is Jesus. And that when God, when God caused him to resurrect from the dead, God is, it's like the real exodus is happening. The real one, where all those who put their faith in Jesus are resurrected out of death and brought up to the promised land. And then he describes this Jesus as the great shepherd. Great is mega in Greek. The great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. Through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 21. Equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's do a little Greek. I don't think it's going to hurt us too much. Maybe stay just a little bit, okay? Equip you, that's an optative verb. These are verbs, uh, a kind of verb that simply means, uh, this is my wish for you. This is my hope. This is my prayer. This is my desire that you be equipped to do everything, all good things, according to his will. That's a prayer. This, this, the heart of the pastor is evident. He's saying, I am crying out to God that you grow up, that you spiritually mature, and that you be equipped, uh, fully furnished, fortified. You've got everything you need to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. That's a participle verb. I'm just saying this is God's doing what God does. He is busy about growing his people up. All right. And how does he do it? He does it through Jesus Christ. Okay. Watch this. To whom be the glory forever and ever. You ready, Greek scholars? Pop quiz. Who's getting the glory, God or Jesus? Who said God? Chris, Randy, God, yeah. A lot of scholars say that we're still talking about God at this moment because God is the one that's doing all this great work through his son, all these kinds of things. Uh, There's some that argue that it's Christ, you know, in view here. It's really hard to know. Um, And I just have a hunch that when God gets the glory, Jesus is really happy with that. And when Jesus gets the glory, I think God's really happy with that. So, uh, Both the Father and the Son are one. You know, exactly. And add the Holy Spirit. So, you, you know, you, you do for one, you get the others get it too, which is beautiful language. So, now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. Let's try to make this count in the day-to-day places where we live. Um, Have you ever felt that there's just deadness inside of you? Um, 
Maybe, maybe you've died to hope. Maybe you've died to the belief that there's good and that your life can matter. Maybe you've died to dreams coming true. Uh, maybe you've, you've died to the idea that uh, God is really for you. By the way, which is a very common idea, by the way. It's even in the New Testament where Paul says, what, 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 are you, what, what are you guys, confused or something? Don't you know that if God is for us, who can be against us? There were some people, Roman Christians, that believed maybe God wasn't for us. And by the way, we tend to think about that when bad things happen. When bad things happen, maybe God is not for us. Can I, can I give you some dirt under the fingernail stuff? Janice is here. That storm that ripped through central Arkansas just a few days ago. Well, Janice had just moved into a wonderful new house. She and her niece, she beautiful and all this stuff. That storm hits and brings down a massive tree while she's in bed right over her bed. And it caves the roof in. And by the grace of God, the Lord's hand stayed that tree. And Janice is here this morning because of that. Okay. Water damage is severe, caves the whole ceiling in. And her insurance agent's you know, taking care of her and put her up in a hotel and all that. So, wow, God is good. Even when terrible things happen, God is good. Lisa and I had a chance to get away and, and was so grateful for Dave and Joni making that happen. And uh, while we were up there, we, we went down to Marina just to kind of check things out. And I parked my car, just parked it, no big deal. And when we came back to the car, my front tires, I, I turned them a bit to the right, exposing a lot of the top of the tire. And I looked, and my tire, the tread, had completely separated. The belt was exposed, and it was a really dangerous situation. Lisa and I drove up at 75 miles an hour on, you know, headed to Conway to go north. And if you're aware of the, the drive through, through Hebrew Springs, it's, it's like this with this. Involved and so you know nauseation station for me, and but God was good. He protected us. Then it's pretty frustrated because I thought, man, you know, I, is it the front end? What's what's causing this bad tire? You know, etc. So I look and we can't find anybody that has the size tire to fit our Subaru. So we go to this place, Elite Automotive. We walk in, the guy had ordered the two tires, they were there the next day, we made it in, and I look, and there's scripture all over the walls in this place. And Lisa gets to talk in with Jason's wife, her name is Keisha, great Christian couple, and I, and I get to talk and we're sharing about life, and, and, and she has a doTERRA display. Does some of you know what doTERRA's about? It's like a cult thing among women, I don't know what it is. And, Jason said, you know, at first he thought it was just like witchcraft or snake oil or something like that that women are involved in. I said, well, it's female voodoo. It's what I say it is. And then he has a story that, well, it actually works. And I do too. So now I'm a, I'm a promoter of doTERRA. They really do work. And uh, we got to chat and all that stuff. And it was fun. We went to pay the bill. And you know what they did? They gave us the second tire. Just being nice. Just being nice. And here I was thinking, this isn't fair. 
bad tired. Ugh, this is not right. We're on vacation. Can't we get a break? Can't we catch a break, you know? And, and God's just up there grinning. Chris, Chris, come on. I brought out of the state of death, I caused resurrection to happen to my son. I brought him up, just like I asked Moses to bring up Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. I brought my son up out of life. My son is the great shepherd of you, you little sheep. <laughs> and he cares for you. It's okay. And it was just a lesson in grace that took place on Friday morning or Friday afternoon. Now. Just a simple lesson in grace. That God is good and I don't have to die to hope or to the belief in good things. Die to dreams. You are the body of Christ. There's some prophets here who can speak some real wisdom about this. There's some people who are gifted in mercy. And you could speak tender words to encourage the person that believes hope is dead. Or you feel like, you know, when it comes to being equipped to do like all the good things, you know, doing God's will in all areas. Oh, I mean, I can follow God in some areas, but in all areas, ooh, that's hard. It's real hard to be a follower of God in all areas. And sometimes you might feel like, I just don't have what it takes. You are the gifted body of Christ. If you could appreciate the raw words of authority at a tender moment in this thing called a benediction, when he is speaking life and grace into a church that is beat up and has suffered horribly at the hands of Rome. How do we pull this into our lives 2,000 years later? You are the church. Care for yourselves. Speak life.
which is in Christ Jesus. So now we talk about to what the Hebrews was talking about, the perfect peace of him. What Jesus has said, the peace I give to you is not like the word given thee. And that is one thing we need to understand. There is a peace that surpasses all things we Paul talked about. So that peace, until that peace is complete, we won't be able to fulfill, you know, to undergo the question we are going to. Because Paul went through all these things, but still said, I am more than confident, because he saw a different revelation entirely. And that alone could not shake him, despite the fact that he's going through all these things. So, and in this context, like what we're all going through these days, it's more, it's more of the peace that God needs for us. And when we go through all these things, there is a preparation that is more than what we are seeing now. Paul says, for this present suffering cannot be compared with the glory that is coming. And that's the reason what was his name? Um, David saw this, David saw this peace, and that's why in all, everything he does, either good or things are not going well, he always glorifies God. I used to tell, I, I was discussing with someone, I said, wait, have you, have you ever think of, you know, forget about the things of the world right now, even your life as a whole, have you ever glorified God, that God gave you life to exist? No. I said, when you start doing that, you begin to appreciate God more, and God will begin to make you understand more of the revelation, because most of us in this is our generation, we don't glorify God, because when something, something needs to happen to us, we tend to forget our God, we tend to forget the kind of promise and the kind of authority we have in Christ Jesus. So, and that's what Paul saw here. He saw that revelation, and because of that, he was able to see far ahead and forget about all those things. Thank you, Joshua. Michelle? Oh. <coughs> <coughs> Hello, my name is Michelle. I'm a new life in Christ. Now I'm recovering from fear and control, and I'm learning, discovering my identity in other people than Christ. Um, and personally, I'm going through inventory right now, and it's really hard seeing the effects of sin on my life. Um, and it's kind of hard sometimes to wonder, like, how can I move past this? But, like, mm. I think about if God can raise someone from the dead, like, how much more can he work in my life? Like, there's nothing beyond his power. And that's literally the whole point of what's being said here. Is he can do this. He can work you. Yes. Through yes. this. Thank you, Michelle. You're speaking. There's a type of argumentation that Jesus used in Latin. It's a minor ad maius in Latin, which means we're arguing from the little to the bigger, the smaller to the greater. In other words, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, that's the small thing. How much more will your Father in Heaven know how to give you? In Luke's Gospel, it says the Holy Spirit. So we're proving the little thing and by proving it, we prove the great big thing, okay? And you're right. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, the great big thing, how much more can he breathe life into you? By the way, uh, dead relationships, not just dead regarding hope, dead regarding dreams. What about dead relationships when you were at one time friends with somebody or one time uh, a meaningful relationship with your mom or your dad or family members and that relationship it's as though it is dead Jesus Christ God the Father through Jesus can restore those relationships two things that would bring life into a relationship number one forgiveness forgiveness and not the superficial stuff not the church pleasantries and the 
you know, the, the churchy language that we sometimes use, but stuff from the heart where there's genuine forgiveness. And when you add that, secondly, love, which is patient and kind and doesn't seek its own. When you add that, that will breathe life into relationships that were, were dead. Very good. Someone else, why does this matter? The author deliberately using language to draw these people into a faithful, growing walk with God. A benediction. Daniel. So what do you say to someone who is, believes that God can do those big things? If he can do those big things, then why won't he do the little things that would? How do you, how do you reconcile that. All right, you're the body of Christ, and I'm telling you, he has asked one of the most insightful, cutting questions I've heard in a while. What do you do when the God who does the big thing, and, and like some of our brothers and sisters say from, from other denominations, that how is your service? And they said, God showed up and God showed out. Okay, God can do the big thing. Why doesn't he do the big thing in big ways? Why doesn't he even do the little things? And it seems that we can't reconcile the silence of God. How do you answer? You're the church. You're the ones full of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2, you don't have the mind of the world. You have the mind of Christ. Speak as though Jesus is speaking through you. Janice. That is so good. So it depends on what it is, right? You know, if it's a thing or versus like a family member going through illness or whatever, you know. Um, I've had to process through a lot of that. And yes, so you, you have. Just, I have to trust. It comes down to it. Do I believe it? Do I not? Is he sovereign? Is he not? And then I just have to go into it. I choose to believe that he is. And... Yeah. You know what? In your heart of hearts, if you believe he is the God of war, it's, life's going to be really hard. You know it? In other words, like God's out to get you. God's going to make you pay. Right? But the author says, may the God of peace. So what's the default setting inside your heart? God of war or God of peace? By the way, what does the New, Te- the New Testament say about God? God is? He's love. It doesn't say he is hate. Ontology. It is what it is, man. God is love. God is good. Randall? Part two of that. Okay. Is, how do you, how do you, 
how am I looking at that? Am I looking at whatever it is in this life, or is it in the light of eternity? Yeah. And so when you look at yeah. things in light of eternity, somehow it tends to really wrap your perspective into mm-hmm. You spoke in wisdom. Can I confess something to you? And I mean, I'm confessing. Sometimes I... Bear with my lingo here, okay? Sometimes I judge God for what he is or isn't doing right here, right now. And I make it all right on right here, right now. As opposed to being the man of faith I'm called to be, to remember that the great good that, it, that I'm going to get isn't necessarily on earth. It's to come. My hope is future. Does that mean I'm hopeless on earth? No. But heaven is heaven, and heaven ain't here. Does it make sense? Yeah. Frank? I think sometimes that we, we want to hear that booming voice from God in those little things. Um, but in God speaks volumes in the silence. And it really becomes to, to that, that point to where we have to still our hearts and listen for those whispers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's the small, yeah. the small way that God communicates with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and because of all the noise that goes on in our lives, we miss those whispers. Mm. Mm. We miss that still small voice. Yeah. Could you say that again, please? Can you use your big, boomy God voice? <laughs> we think sometimes that we have to be perfectly sinless yeah. in order to experience God's grace or to give God's grace. But that's a lie. That's a lie that prevents us from experiencing that grace and allowing others to experience grace from us. Mm. Mm, thank you, Frank. Like the, the father of those two prodigal boys, he knew grace and he could give grace. I think a dad or a mom of law, when the boy came home after doing, we have no idea what it was, we're sure it's naughty, whatever it was, right? And the dad says, okay, what'd you do with my money? I, w- I want to hear the report. You did what? Can you hear him tearing into that boy? But he does it. He skips all the judgment and says, get a robe, get a ring. We are having a party. My son was once dead and now he's alive. God speaks life. Frank, that's wisdom. Justin, you raised your hand or you scratched an itch, one of the two. Um, well, I, I, I don't know if I did either. But, <laughs> um, but I have been thinking. So I'll, I'll say my thoughts, I guess, real quick. Um, I, I think that when it comes to struggle, and I think I've got two places on this. One is um, God is God's in a whole different realm than we are, right? So 
Uh, I'm always struck by C.S. Lewis who said that I think one day we'll all get to heaven and we'll realize there never was a problem. Mm-hmm. Say that again. That one day we'll get to heaven and we'll realize there never was a problem. <laughs> because we're, we're in the moment, we're in this concrete, what we see is what is reality kind of deal. Um, and, and I also say that with kind of juxtaposing that with the idea that I, I don't think I've ever gotten closer to God because life was easy. Um, I think I've always come out of hard times with a, a stronger faith mm. and a better understanding of how good God is. Mm. Justin, thank you. Jordan? Um, let's wrap it up with this. Philip? Um, I think, too, when we're struggling with little things in life, um, it's getting at a deeper issue and that we feel alone and powerless in those situations because we're struggling with what's going on in that point in life. And if I can offer encouragement, you're not alone. You've got believers here who love you and are wanting to pour into you and help you with the struggles. Mm-hmm. And I have to ask myself, do I really believe Christ is in a believer whom I can confide in on the little things? Why God is not helping me out in the way I see fit? Mm. Maybe they can speak some truth into me and mm. I can be healed. Mm. Beautiful, Philip. Thank you. When I was teaching at Williams Baptist College, I would give my students the test sometimes a week to two weeks in advance. They already had the test questions. Were they hard? Absolutely. <laughs> would they still come out with C's and, and B's and C's and occasional D? Yes, they would. During a test, was I silent? During an exam? I really was, yeah. It's pretty typical that when a teacher is giving a test, they remain silent. I don't, I'm not giving you that as a cutesy Facebook meme on doing theology. But I am telling you, there are times when God is silent, and it is a test. Sometimes it's a test. And how we handle that can reveal how we're growing in our faith. Okay. Now, can we do this? I want you to bow your heads and just shut off the distractions. I want you to make your heart an altar, and I want you to lean in toward God. And I want to ask you, 
Would you by faith lay hold of hope, fresh hope? And I want to read this to you again. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Abba, Father, In awe, in fear, and trembling, we somehow say thank you that you are the God of peace. Forgive us from blaming you. Forgive us for accusing you of being a God of war. Thinking that you are like some dysfunctional parent. You are the God of peace. You are love. And your heart toward us is good. Abba, help us to have fresh faith, a renewed hope. And to receive your words of life and to give words of life. And to believe that you are busy equipping us, creating in us all the stuff that it takes for us to do your will. Through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for mercy. We love you and we say amen. In Jesus' name, amen.